Amen. Amen. Wow. Well, good morning, everybody. I want to take, uh, take a moment just to welcome all of you who are here at our Tivoli campus and uh, want to give a shout out to the Shaw campus. Can we just let them know we're glad they're there? Shaw, love you. I'll see you next week. And uh, Pastor Brent's hanging out over there today uh, with them. Also want to give a welcome to our, all of our brothers that's stepping into the light. Amen. And, uh, and all of those who are, are joining us today through our online campus, just so glad uh, that you're here. Before we get into the word of the Lord, let me just give you a couple of uh, kind of some housekeeping things to let you know what's going on. If you're brand new to our church, uh, next Sunday night at the Shaw campus is our Next Steps class. This is an opportunity for you to find out more about uh, who we are as a church family and how you can get connected, how you can become a member. Um, and, and it's all in one shot. So there's not a series of classes. You get to come in on a Sunday night uh, at five o'clock at the Shaw campus and we've got an amazing chicken dinner. I mean, the chicken, it's like they were anointed of the Holy Spirit while they're making it. I'm just telling you right now, it's awesome. You don't want to miss the dinner. La this month, actually, this is still October, right? So earlier this month, on the first Sunday of the month, we had our last uh, Next Steps class, and on that day we had welcomed 43 brand new members to One Family Church. Isn't that awesome? Amen. So if you're, uh, if you're thinking about doing that, if you want to become a member, just kind of check it out, find out what's going on. Uh, we invite you to do that. You can use the QR code on the back of your seat uh, and just uh, scan that, and then you can register online to let us know that you're coming, so we'll have uh, plenty of chicken for you. And then uh, also, uh, we've been in this Beyond Initiative for the last uh, five weeks. Pastor Brent's been talking to us about that. And uh, last Sunday was actually our Commitment Sunday, and it was off the hook. It was amazing. Both campuses, so awesome. And uh, Pastor Brent, I know, is going to be sharing uh, the results of that day uh, really, really soon. But there's actually still cards coming in, uh, both online and through our uh, campuses. And so uh, I noticed even some more uh, came in this morning. And so we want to give you an opportunity to uh, to fill one of those out if you haven't been been here for one of those services or you weren't here for Commitment Sunday and you want to be a part of that. So um, I'm going to have the team come down if they would. There's some team members that have some of these uh, commitment cards right here. And so they're even running. I mean, they're so excited to get down here to the front. If you haven't received one of these yet at either campus, uh, could you just raise your hand real quickly and let them uh, give you one of these for you to, to uh, have throughout the service this morning? Uh, it's not too late for you to fill one of these out. Um, I want to encourage you to do that. We're looking for 100% participation. Even if, even if you feel like the Lord says don't give anything, still fill the card out. Let us know what you feel like God wants you to do. Um, but I want to encourage you to do that. Um, so many people uh, have just found One Family Church to be an awesome uh, family for them, an awesome experience, and, uh, and believe in, in the mission of bringing people and God together in love. In fact, I want to share a video with you this morning. Uh, one of our brothers from Stepping Into the Light uh, shared a video, so check this out. When I first came in, my girlfriend at the time had got tired of my lifestyle. You know, I was working, but I was chasing drugs, you know, and she finally, after three years, put me out. So I found, a, I went to the hospital, a detox, and one of the first places I seen on the wall when I was looking for recovery places was stepping into the light. It just jumped out at me for some reason. I called and they had a bed available and I didn't need insurance or any of that kind of stuff, you know. So my goal was to complete the 90-day program and then get a certificate so she would let me come back, you know. And uh, when I got here, that's what I strived on, but then they needed me 
on staff, you know, they asked me if I wanted to become staff, so I ended up assistant director. I've been clean over a year now. I know it's because of this place, and I could never stay clean more than a month or so out there, you know, so. The girl who kicked me out, she's now my fiance, you know, we're engaged to be married, and God just continues to bless me, and I love the ministry, I really do. Bishop Bracely, he really, uh, his story inspired me. I've been here a little over a year now, and I'm just, like, I'm in no hurry to leave now. You know, my fiance, she likes it, you know, I still get to spend the time with my family and do the position here, so it's just, I'm blessed. On Sunday mornings, we come down around nine o'clock and we set up and everything and we get the One Family Church on and we watch it and we um, we really like, I know myself personally, I like Pastor Rome. His sermons are just powerful, you know, and I know all the guys really enjoy them, you know, so they, uh, we look forward every Sunday to, to watching them. We don't have a lot of direct contact with outside churches and stuff, and it's pretty cool how they mention us on TV and stuff, you know, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty neat for real, it really is. I use what he goes off of for his message to do my own personal Bible study for the day. It impacts me and a lot of the guys do the same thing. We focus our Bible studies, a lot of them, off of what the sermon was on Sunday. It seems like it always pertains to what's happening at the time in my life for some reason. You know, like God works all together in unity like that. I'm a totally different person, like the whole new creature and everything, you know, from Corinthians, I think it is, uh, Second Corinthians, where he makes you a whole new creature outside of what you were. Like, I'm far from selfish now, you know, but I got an overabundance of everything. So guys come in needing clothes, shoes. Like, I couldn't even tell you how many pairs of shoes and how many clothes that I have, you know, I'm constantly giving them away. He made me a whole new person than the selfish person I came in as. There's like a, a mystery in the word beyond to me, like it's no boundaries or something. When I hear beyond, I think the impossible could happen. You never know what God's plan is beyond what you're doing now. The idea of one family church reaching into more places and helping more people is inspiring. You know, it really is. I would love to be a part of it as much as possible. I'm excited to be a part of anything that is helping people, you know, because I got helped. I don't know what God has in plan for my future, but I know he's got a way better plan than what I could have ever did for myself, you know, or imagined. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited about that. I really am. I can't wait to see what happens. So good, so good. If, uh, if you've got the card, and, or maybe, maybe you haven't filled it out and you already had one, um, let me just take a moment to uh, explain a little bit how to fill this out, because I know there's been some questions about this, because it's something we've never done, and so the first time you do it, you're wondering how to do it. So um, right in the top left-hand corner, you'll see where it asks for what you normally give in a year. So whatever it is that you do over the course of 12 months, you write that in that, and then because this Beyond Initiative is actually for two years, you would multiply that by two, and then write that in the line next to it. Uh, below that is if God has talked to you and said, you know what, I want you to go beyond what you normally do, uh, 
uh, each year and give more uh, to this initiative, then you can write that amount for, for that one year in the blank below that. And then be, again, because it's a two-year initiative, you multiply that by two, and then uh, you fill this blank out uh, over here. Then the third line, which is quite interesting, is my gifts from stored resources. So if you have an airplane, um, if you want to sell your husband's golf clubs, um, any of those things that you have uh, that are stored resources and you say, you know what, this is the value of something that I want to give, whether it's stocks or you know, crypto, whatever it might be, um, you could put that in there and then that's, you write down your total, which is from what you normally give over two years, the additional you're going to give over two years, and then stored resources and then fill that out and let us know. It's going to be an incredible thing what God does over the next couple of years and really believe, believing that he's going to do exceeding abundantly above and beyond everything that we could really think or imagine. Somebody said amen to that. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get into the word of the Lord this morning. I do appreciate uh, Pastor Brent's approach uh, to the Beyond Initiative over the last five Sundays in the sermon series. I really believe that that initiative is going to, uh, it's just going to be awesome, and the results of it are going to be amazing as our church family is able to continue impacting uh, our community and our state and even our nation and around the world. Uh, so really excited about that. But one of the things I appreciated about Pastor Brent's approach to that is that even though it was talking about giving and, you know, getting kind of close to home for a lot of us because where our wallet is, you know, I mean, it, it's really... It, it's really close to where we are, uh, that really it's not just about the giving. It has to do with being a disciple of Jesus and growing as a disciple uh, in the area of generosity because that's really what it means to be a follower, to be a disciple of Jesus. It's all about growth. Uh, in fact, by the way, if, if you've ever gone through any of our leadership training for life groups or you've been through Next Steps, you know that our primary goal for our life groups is that we will grow together. Uh, we want to grow as a church family. We want to grow in our relationships with each other. We want to grow in our relationship with God. We want to grow in our faith. And so as we're doing this as disciples, as followers of Jesus, uh, we, we just learn more and more about following him, following his teachings, following his path, following his way. It's interesting to me that when you look in the book of Acts, uh, the people who followed Jesus were actually known as followers of the way. And so as we're following this way, God just keeps making uh, adjustments in our lives uh, to help us in every area to grow. Can I just ask a question? How many of you feel like over the course of your walk with God, you have felt like God has made some adjustments in your life? Anybody? Anybody just feel like that? You realize this is an ongoing thing, right? This is, this is an experience that's very common uh, for followers of Jesus, for disciples. I had this experience the other day Robin was actually uh, working. She, she works at the St. Louis Art Museum and uh, she had worked a, a really long day and, and she drove the car. She actually drove herself that day. I try to drive her all the time because she's my girlfriend. It's our time to spend together. And, uh, but she drove herself that day. And so she comes home after this long day of work and, and she parked the car and she came in and she was changing clothes. And man, I was just like, baby, let, let me take you out to dinner. I mean, you, you, you worked so hard today. I don't want you to have to mess with putting together food. I'm going to take you out to dinner. I was so excited. She got dressed up. I got dressed up all fancy, you know, which for me means jeans and a shirt like this. That's fancy. And so I was so excited. We went up to the garage, you know, and we, and, and opened the car door and she went around to the passenger side and I was doing the driver's side, man. I was so excited that I just kind of launched myself into the driver's seat, unknowing that because she had been driving, she had moved the seat up to where the back of the seat almost touched the steering wheel. And I almost broke my hip 
literally thought it was going to take the jaws of life to get me out of that car. <laughs> but if you've ever had this experience before where you're wedged in and kind of in an unexpected way, instead of just like, you know, getting out of the car like I should have, I thought I can contort and reach down and you've done this before, right? I, I can reach the adjustment knobs. And so then I started, you know, making adjustments. And I went back a little bit and I went down a little bit and then back a little bit more and down a little bit more until I could breathe. And so that was awesome. And I was able to sit straight and finally drive away. Adjustments. Wow. That was kind of a painful one. But listen, being a part of uh, being a disciple of Jesus, following the Lord, is really God continually making adjustments in our spiritual posture and in our activities. I I've noticed this has happened in my life in so many different ways, adjustments ha happening all the time. One of the adjustments that I had to go through uh, in my life, just in my walk with God, probably repeatedly, was I had to learn to stop working for the love of God and start resting in it. That was an adjustment, and God has to kind of continually make that adjustment in my life. Another, another adjustment he made in my life was to teach me how to stop grasping for possessions and how to start giving in generosity. Another adjustment that he made in my life was for me to stop trying to earn my salvation, but to start receiving what God was giving me. Another adjustment that he made in my life was where, where he, he worked on me to stop demanding things for myself and to start serving other people. It's an adjustment that God is always making. It's one of the things that I love about One Family Church is how our church is just geared to serve one another. If you know anything about being on our dream team, we have hundreds and hundreds of people every week that are on our dream team that are serving here in our church family. They're serving in our community. They're making a difference. Uh, I, I met uh, Friday morning with Amy Redfield and Michelle Sanders, a couple of the awesome ladies from One Family Church. And these ladies, just they and their team, they have a passion for serving the elderly people in our church and in our community. They actually launched a brand new team called the Senior Care Team. And all they think about is how can we make life better for the elderly that are in our church and that are in our community. And so, I mean, they're constantly working on ways to help people get to doctor's appointments, to help people get to church, to help people get groceries. Uh, they're, they're thinking about, you know, calling people and just loving on them, letting them know we care. Uh, one of the things they did just recently was they purchased a wheelchair and we're having wheelchairs at both of our campuses so that people that need them could come and isn't this awesome they can navigate the ramps we have ramps at Shaw that's right we have ramps right here at the Tivoli and wheelchairs are are handy and they're also working on an idea of making it more accessible to listen to our services at home uh, for the elderly people so I would just say to you if you know someone if you know someone in that category that would be blessed by just knowing that people care about them and maybe able to receive some help and some encouragement just check them out there in the lobbies of our campuses uh, and you can connect with them listen that that's not us that's not just something that we do naturally that's God making Making an adjustment in us to help us grow as followers of Jesus and in our ability to serve one another. So today that adjustment is going to continue a little bit. I feel like God's been talking to me about something in my life. I want to share it with you uh, just to help us move 
towards more dependence on him and less dependence on ourselves. And so we're going to spend some time uh, in the epistle to the church at Ephesus this morning. Uh, so let me begin by taking you to Ephesians 1, just, just the last few verses of verse 19, and then we'll get into verse 20. But it says, the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him. Everybody say, seated him seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power uh, or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Now watch this. It says, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. I want you to just picture in your mind for a moment Jesus seated on the throne. This picture is one of a king who is in power. He is in a position of authority. Jesus is not stressed out about his position. Uh, Jesus is not worried about his identity as the king. Jesus is on the throne. And Jesus knows the outcome of history and he knows the outcome of eternity has already been determined. And because of that, you and I can actually live in hope that no matter how dark it seems in this present night, the light of Jesus is going to overcome. So Paul actually encourages the believers to Focus on this idea. If you're a disciple of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, then focus on this. He says this in Colossians 3 and verse 1. Since you have been raised, in other words, because this has happened in your life, because your life, because you've been raised to new life with Christ, then set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Focus on it, think about it, meditate on that. Set your sight on that. Then he says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you have died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. So set your sights on the realities of heaven, think about the things of heaven, and then he says, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ. And watch this. I want to focus on this for a moment. And he has seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So as you're visualizing Jesus sitting on this throne, I guess you could picture that it's a really, really big throne. Because every believer, every follower, every disciple of Jesus is seated there with him. That's awesome, by the way. Look at this next verse. And this is the real reason why he did this for us. Why we are seated with him so that God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and his kindness toward us as shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ. Really what he's doing by seating us with him is demonstrating how much he loves us, how much grace he's pouring out on us, how much mercy that he is giving us. Anybody here today thankful for the grace of God? Amen. Amen. So whatever that means, whatever it means to be seated with Christ means that 
he's showing the, the incredible grace and love and mercy that he has toward us. He's showing us that, number one, we have really participated in his death. Paul says that. He's showing us that we have participated in his resurrection and that just as he is seated in the throne, we are now participating in that. We are seated with him. He's allowing us to share the throne of the reigning king. And this is the point. It's because that we have surrendered our life. We didn't, we didn't get in that throne because we worked hard for it. We're not seated in that throne because we really strive, we struggled, we strained, we put a lot of effort into it. No, it's because we have surrendered our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ that he has offered us this position of power and authority, meaning that you and I, because we have the power and authority of God working in our lives, that we can impact the natural and spiritual domains that are around us. Isn't that amazing? That when we walk into a room, we can change the atmosphere. When I walk into my job, I can change what's going on right there because I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. It's not about our strength. It's not about our tenacity. It's not about our creativity. It's actually resisting the urge to accomplish something through our own strength and surrendering to what he has done and what he is speaking into our life. So let me give you my really weird sermon title because you thought I was almost done, but I actually, that's just starting, sorry. <clears throat> the sermon title is How to Sit and Stand at the Same Time. And we're gonna do this from the book of Ephesians, so uh, we'll, we'll just stay there. But let me give you a principle to kind of start this off, and we're talking specifically about this concept of sitting now, how to sit in, how to be seated in heavenly places. So here's the principle. A life of power and authority only comes through surrendering to a greater power and authority. So by seating us with Jesus, this is what God is saying. That as followers of Jesus, we step into power and authority because we are seated with him. We are resting with him. We know who we are in him. Look at the person next to you and just tell them, you need to sit down. Just tell them that. You need to sit down. You're like, I'm already seated. On the inside, you need to sit down. All right, so how does this work out in practical ways? Let me go to Ephesians 6. This is what it says. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. How many of you know the enemy is not people? Right? The enemy is not tangible. He says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's Ephesians 6.12, identifying this battle that we are in. 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 through 5 says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh or according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. They're not of human origin, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. That's really what God wants to do in your life. It's what he wants to do in this community. It's what he wants to do in the world. He wants to pull down the strongholds of the enemy and set people free. That's what we want to see happen. That's what God wants to see happen. Well, how does that happen? Because if it's not going to happen through human might, if it's not going to happen through my own strength, then how is it going to happen? Let me just lay out a few uh, just basic principles, basic concepts, so that we can kind of get this and apply it to our lives. Let me give you the basic concept. Okay, number one is this, that God is the source of all authority. 
God is the source of all authority. Romans 13 and verse 1 puts it this way. This is Paul again. He says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. And the powers that be are ordained of God. The concept here is that God has all power, has all authority. Anybody else that's exercising any level of authority or power in the world is only doing so because they've been allowed to do that by God. Because God is the source of all authority. I realize it's hard for us to contemplate, to comprehend that God is the source of all authority because we live in a world that seems to be best understood through opposites. Okay? Up is the opposite of... I heard you at Shaw. You got that. In is the opposite of... Day is the opposite of... Life is the opposite of... Walmart is the opposite of... I knew you were going to say Target. I mean, they're kind of similar, right? Oh, they're not. I may have just started a a, a human conflict right here. So all of these opposites help us to understand the, the world around us. But listen, God is not the opposite of Satan. Satan is in opposition to God, but he is not the opposite of God. And he's fully aware of this. When you read Revelation 12, which this is a chapter that depicts, you know, the end times. In fact, it really depicts the end of the end times. But in verse 12 of Revelation 12, it says, Therefore, be glad and exult, O heavens, and you that dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in fierce anger and fury. Why is he so furious? Because he knows he only has a short time left. If you are wondering why it seems like around you that the enemy is raging more and more than he ever has, it's because he's becoming more and more aware that Jesus is on the throne and his days are limited. So Satan's not the opposite of God. God has no opposite. God is the source of all authority. And God is the creator and the owner of the entire universe and of every created thing, physical and spiritual. He had the right to authorize anyone that he wanted to rule to take dominion of the created world. So here's the second basic principle. God has the source of all authority and power. But number two, God authorized mankind to rule the created world. That was God's original plan for all of us. This is Genesis chapter one. And God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. Watch this. So God created man in his own image and the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them and God blessed them And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air and every living thing that moveth upon the earth. I love this because it demonstrates God's heart to us as his children. He created us, he blessed us, and then he authorized us to subdue the earth, to make this amazing planet even more amazing. You and I were authorized to act in God's name, but there's a problem, and that brings me to principle number three. We lost our authority through rebellion. 
Okay? If you read the story of beginnings in the book of Genesis, the serpent comes to Eve in the garden and, and gives her some false promises of a greater life. If you'll separate from God has something good that he doesn't want you to enjoy. And so if you'll go my way, and if you'll resist God and go against him, then you can have all of this. False promises of a greater life. And instead, remember, they were authorized they were empowered, but instead of exercising their authority and commanding the serpent to go, Adam and Eve basically gave in to the lies and the temptation of the serpent and rebelled against God. And as a result of that, they and all of their descendants ended up in a terrible, terrible condition. In fact, we find it uh, described back in the book of Ephesians chapter two. It says, you he made alive, but here's the description of what we were before we came to Christ. You were spiritually dead separated from him because of your transgressions and sins in which you once walked you were following the ways of this world influenced by this present age in accordance with the prince of the power of the air satan the spirit who is now at work in the disobedient the unbelieving who fight against the purposes of god among them this is what it says in second corinthians 4 among them the god of this world satan has blinded the minds of the unbelieving to prevent them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. This was our condition. We were dead. We were separated. We, we had no life within us. And what happened to Adam and Eve, because of that rebellion, they literally were stripped of the authority and the power that God had given them. We basically handed over the authority that we had to the enemy. But that's not the end of the story. Because where the first Adam was freely given this authority and power and he lost it in rebellion against God in the middle of the garden where basically Adam and Eve said, not your will but my will be done. The second Adam, Jesus Christ, through his obedience to God in the garden when he said, not my will but your will be done. And then on the cross stripped Satan of his authority and took it all back. Look at somebody right next to you and just say, he took it all back. Jesus took it all back. So that's basic principle number four, is that we have regained our authority through Jesus. We have regained our authority, I like that, it says, through the Jesus. Does that say through the Jesus? Wow, that is, that is a, a typo, but that is an awesome typo. Because it doesn't use an indefinite article like A, through a Jesus. It's through the Jesus. That's an anointed, inspired typo right there. All my fault, but it was good. Hallelujah. Colossians 2, verse 13. This is what it says. I love this because this describes how we got it back. When you were stuck in your old sin-dead life. This is Colossians 2, 13 through 15. When you were stuck in your old sin-dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive. I don't think that's, is that the one I'm reading? Maybe that's coming up in a minute. You're going to get it in a minute. I'm, I'm getting to that one. That's coming up. When you were stuck in your old sin-dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it. All right, now look at that verse. All sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean, the old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. He stripped all of the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through 
the streets. Come on. Jesus took it back. I love that picture. That's what they would do in, the, in, in those ancient days when they would destroy an enemy to shame them, to let them know they weren't in authority and power anymore. They would march them. Next. Think about the devil having to march through the streets without his red pajamas on. Come on. Jesus took it back. And I will tell you this, that when he took it back, there was no wrestling match. There was no tug of war in hell where Jesus had to rip. I, I realize that's good preaching, man. Rebecca, I actually preached that back in the day. I mean, probably 25, 30 years ago. I remember preaching, Jesus went down to hell and he got devil and man, they were wrestling around and they were pulling on each other and Jesus said, give them back. And the devil said, I ain't giving them back. Jesus said, no, you're gonna give them back. The devil said, I'm not giving, I don't know why I'm using that voice. And it was fun to preach that way, you know, like somehow Jesus was, you know, having to fight the devil and somehow, you know, Jesus finally overcame. No, there was no wrestling match. There was no tug of war. Authority is a legal concept. And the moment that Jesus on the cross said, it is finished, authority and power transferred back to the human race through Jesus Christ. And that's why he said to his disciples, and by the way, to all of us as followers of Jesus, in Matthew chapter 28, right before he was uh, lifted up into the heavens, Jesus came and spake unto them saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Then he said, go ye therefore. In other words, I am seated in this throne and you are seated with me. And I'm gonna give you every bit of power that you need. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. John 14.13, and whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. <clears throat> so let me give you this principle. Because of my position as a child of God, seated with Christ, and having received the promise of the Holy Spirit, I have the power I need to fulfill God's purpose in my life. But I'm telling you, as disciples, as followers of Jesus, we've got to learn to sit down. Stop making it about us. Stop making it about our power, our strength, our ability, our creativity, our ingenuity. We've got to get to the point where we sit down and rest in who we are in Christ. You guys are all familiar with my grandson, Jack Daniel. I am so afraid they're gonna have another one to name him Jim Beam, but we'll see. <clears throat> but my other grandson, his name is Liam. And I remember Liam, and he was a little boy, and he was still in high chairs. He was like Houdini, because you could strap that boy into that high chair, and I mean, you could think you had him just completely immobilized. And you look over tw 10 seconds later, and he's standing in that high chair. He loved to stand in it and reach down and grab the food on the table and stand up and just eat. And I'm thinking, dude, you are gonna die because he's, <laughs> he would not sit down. And I cannot tell you how many times that I told him in panic, would you please sit down? I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you. I'm gonna go get the duct tape. <laughs> I never did that. But there's something, I think it's because of the, 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 the age, the immaturity, the youthfulness, the toddlerness, the, the childness that makes us want to stand up when we should be sitting down. And I want to tell somebody today, it's okay to grow up a little bit. And by that, I mean, stop working at it so hard. Sit down and rest in who you are in Jesus Christ. You don't have to fight this fight on your own. It's not about how strong you are. It's about where you're seated. 
First John 4, 4, little children, you are of God. You belong to him and you already defeated and overcome them, the agents of the Antichrist, because he who lives in you is greater, mightier than he who is in the world. Just tell somebody seated right next to you in your most diplomatic voice, please be seated. Just tell them that. All right, let me go back to the sermon title, <laughs> which is how to sit and stand at the same time. Because I want to take you to the end of the book of Ephesians, to the same people that Paul described as seated, he now tells them how to stand. And I'm getting ready to fly. Here we go. Ephesians 6 and verse 10, a final word. Be strong in the Lord, not in yourself. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand. Everybody say, to stand. That you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. It's interesting here because the same author who said in just a few chapters earlier that we are seated. And by the way, in the Greek language, that word seated, that we are seated with Christ, it's actually in the aorist tense, which is active indicative. It means that it is a condition that is presently happening. It's going to continue happening and nothing is going to change the status of that happening. And so he's telling us now to stand, but as he's saying that, he's saying you're still going to be seated in Christ in heavenly places. You're going to do both of these at the same time. Both will happen through the same power. All right. So he enters into this illustration. He's actually using kind of some military language here. And he says this, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. The point that he's making here is that because we're not fighting a physical enemy, we can't use physical weapons. We've got to rely on something else, something that doesn't originate with us. Ephesians 6 goes on to say, therefore, or in other words, because of this, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. He's giving us the secret of how to stand. And then he says, then after the battle, everybody say after the battle, then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. I realize some of us, we really can't imagine ourselves resisting the, the enemy very effectively. But God says, look, if you'll put on the armor, you're not just going to resist. You're going to win this war. James 4, 7, I don't have this in your, in your notes, but James 4, 7 says, look, just submit yourselves to God. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And guess what the result is going to be? He will flee. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And you win. But it's all about what you're wearing. Now, I'm not going to ask you to tell me what you're wearing tonight. I realize some of you are really weird. And you may have some costumes ready that I don't want to see. <laughs> but some of you are going to be wearing some pretty cool stuff. Some of you are going to be dressed like superheroes. You might even have a cape. Some of you might be dressed up like, I don't know, my, my son always played Call of Duty or some of these, you know, war things. And so he, his idea was dressing up like military stuff. But I'm going to tell you, you can go to the best go costume place in town. You can get the best military-looking armor in town, and you can put that on, and you, you would not want to wear that into combat. So I say amen. How many of you know a lot of times we're walking around dressed up in costumes trying to fight off the enemy? in something that was never designed to defeat the enemy. 
It's all about what we're wearing. And so Paul actually says, I'm going to tell you what you're supposed to wear to stand. Ephesians 6.14 says, stand your ground, putting on, number one, the belt of truth. Everybody say the belt of truth. This is hugely important. This is a part of the armor of God. And the belt of truth is so important in, in ancient military terms. This is the thing that forms the foundation. This is, this is the thing that everything else is built on. It's strapped into it. Your, your sword is hanging from that. You know, you're tucking in parts of the garment. You know, all of that. The belt is huge. And the Bible says here that it's the belt of truth. Here's what I want to point out to you as we're putting on this armor today. That this is all about Jesus. So when I say put on the belt of truth, I'm really saying put on Jesus. Jesus said this in John 14 and verse 6. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. Notice it's not a truth, one of the many truths. I am the truth and I am the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. He said in John 8, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Listen, for you, the truth is Jesus. I hear a lot of people talking today about what's your truth and what's your truth. And that's great. Everybody can have an opinion. Go ahead and have an opinion. But what it boils down to is that Jesus is my truth. So I need to put that on. And I do that by acknowledging who he is in my life, that he's the only way, right? Then it says this, the, the rest of that verse, uh, Ephesians 6, 14, says, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, and in this translation, New Living, uh, it says, put on the body armor of God's righteousness. Some translations say the breastplate of righteousness. When I was a little boy, I heard somebody preach a message on the breastplate of righteousness, and they were talking about, you know, this breastplate covering, you know, the front of you, and how the, it didn't cover the back of you, and so if you turned your back on the enemy, the enemy's, you know, the enemy would hurt you, and all that kind of stuff. Well, actually, the breastplate was something that was on the front and the back, because the, the military knew that that was going to protect all of your vital organs. It was going to protect the core of who you are, and the enemy was not going to be able to sneak around behind you and hurt you by coming in from that way because this breastplate covered the whole thing. Listen, when it comes to who we are as believers, as followers of Jesus, the breastplate of righteousness for us is Jesus Christ. We put him on and everything that we are is protected. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us that in him we become the righteousness of God. So I want to encourage you today. Say, how do I put that on? One of the ways that you put on this thing, first of all, it's putting your faith in Jesus and letting Jesus cover you. But then the other way is continually confessing what Jesus is to you. So confess, Jesus is my righteousness. Jesus is the reason that I'm standing in God's presence with boldness. It's not because I'm perfect. It's because Jesus is perfect. Get your words in line with what God is doing. He says, then, after you've got this belt of truth and you've got the breastplate of righteousness, I want you to strap on those shoes, Ephesians 6.15. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. We're still talking about Jesus. Because the good news is the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. And there is a peace that comes along because of that. He says, let that be the shoes that you walk in. Look at Isaiah 9, 6, this promise about this coming Messiah. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We usually only use that for Christmas. Just so you know, it's 55 days till Christmas. <laughs> Some of you are like, stop right now. John 14, 27, Jesus said, I am leaving you with a gift. 
peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. He does a couple of things for us as it relates to peace. Number one, he gives us the peace of God. That means that whenever I'm in the middle of conflict, whenever I'm in the middle of chaos, where some people think the only way that I can escape is to go to Tahiti, he says, I'm gonna be with you right in the middle of all of that. He gives us the peace of God, but then he also gives us peace with God. Romans 5, 1 says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. I hope you hear this. Peace with God means we have been reconciled to God. That there is no more conflict between us. There is no war between us. There is no battle between us. Guess what? There is no distance between us because of what Jesus has done. Then he goes on. He says, now you got your belt, got your breastplate, got your shoes on. He goes, now I want you to hold up the shield of faith. In addition to all of these things, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. One translation says, above all, take the shield of faith. When you read that, kind of, it sounds like, was this above all? Does that mean most important? No, it's, it's a word about superimposition. It means I'm going to take this piece and I'm going to superimpose it over all the other ones. I'm going to protect every area by the faith that I have. Again, we're talking about Jesus, putting your faith in Jesus. Galatians 2 and verse 20, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You want to you have a shield? Then every time the enemy throws a fiery dart, you put your trust in God. I believe in God. I trust in God. God, I trust you. I believe you. I know you've got my back. I know you're in my, you are with me. You're never going to leave me. You're in front of me and behind me and above me and below me, to the left of me, the right of me, and you're within me. My faith is in you. Shield. And then he says, Ephesians six seventeen. put on salvation as your helmet. Are we still talking about Jesus or what? Matthew 1, 21, she will give birth to a son and you shall name him Jesus, which by the way, that name means the Lord is salvation for he will save his people from their sins. Acts 4, 12, and there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's no other alternative than the name of Jesus. So this is my helmet. And then he says, I want you to take the sword of the spirit that is the word of God. Say, okay, is that, are we talking about Jesus still? Yes, we are. Because John chapter one and verse one says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And if you skip to verse 14, it says, and the word was manifested in the flesh and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. When we talk about the word of God, we're talking about Jesus. When we talk about the, 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 the spirit, the sword of the spirit, we're talking about the words of God. Jesus said this in John chapter 6, verse 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. 
So putting on the whole armor of God, this, this is not about just a, it's not just a, about a historical person. It's not just about some theological concept. This is all about our connection to Jesus, an ongoing relationship, an ongoing conversation that we have with Jesus where we listen for his voice. And that's why when it comes down to the end of the, this whole armor of God that he actually says in Acts six, or rather Ephesians 6 and verse 18, right at the end of this, he says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert, be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So I'm gonna put on that belt, that's Jesus. I'm gonna put on the breastplate of righteousness, that's Jesus. I'm gonna put on my shoes of, of peace, that's Jesus. I'm gonna put on the helmet of salvation, that's Jesus. I'm gonna take the word of God, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, that's Jesus. I am going to be fully armored if I will put on Jesus. It's going to help me to sit and stand at the same time. Jason, you can come up and help me. So is it really all about him? Let me just share a couple verses and then I'm done. This is from Romans 13. It says this, and do this. Every follower of Jesus, every disciple of Jesus Every believer, do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Not talking about you sleeping at night. It's talking about the spiritual condition of drowsiness that can come on us. It says it's high time to awake out of sleep for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent and the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. The armor of light. He says let us walk properly in the day. Not in revelry and drunkenness not in, the, in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. He says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the whole armor of God. Put on the armor of light. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if you realize how covered you are. Because if you're a follower of Jesus and you're seated in heavenly places in him, he has fully covered you. The enemy is not going to take you out if your faith and your trust is in him. Doesn't matter what circumstances look like. This is not a, this is not a physical thing. This is not an earthly thing. The enemy is not going to take you out because you are fully armored in him. This is an interesting verse, Galatians 3.27. It says, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. I want to encourage you, if you've never been baptized as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple, that was one of the primary things that disciples did. You look at Matthew chapter 28, it actually said, I want you to go into all the world and I want you to teach them what I've taught you and I want you to baptize them. Those were the two big things that went along with being a disciple. And six weeks from today, not sure if it's here or the Shaw campus. We'll have, you'll have to get more information about that. But baptism service is coming up six weeks from today. And you can step into that water and you can know I am fully clothed 
in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Listen, I want to pray. I want to pray for you today. I'm including myself in this because I know that there are people at the Shaw campus right now, people right here at Tivoli, maybe you're, in, you're just watching online. Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus at all, ever. And you're realizing, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not really covered. All I do is strive, work hard. But this is not the life that I was made for. And I really want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. Maybe that's you. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for some people that have been following Jesus for a little while, but you forgot that you were seated in heavenly places and you've been working at this thing so hard and God's saying, why are you trying to accomplish something that I've already accomplished? Just sit down and enjoy what I'm giving you. And then I want to pray for some people today, maybe... Maybe you feel like that the enemy has been throwing more arrows at you than ever. First of all, be encouraged because you're covered. But I want to encourage you to stand. I want to encourage you to stand firm against the onslaught of the enemy. And the way to do that is to get fully covered in Jesus. So I want to pray, pray with you about that. Would you just pray with me? Just close your eyes. Father, right now in the mighty name of Jesus... I thank you, Lord, because you are such an awesome God. You take us from where we are, no matter what we've done, no matter the life that we've lived, and you, you bring us home. You make us your sons, and you make us your daughters, and you call us your children, and we can call you our Father. We thank you for this right now. And I'm praying for every person, Lord, that is hearing this at this moment. I'm praying, God, if they've never put their faith in you, never just totally trusted you, that this would be that moment. That they would make that decision, God, today I am going to believe that everything Jesus did is enough. That his death, his burial, his resurrection, it is enough. And I accept what you have done for me. Forgive me, God, of every sin. Forgive me of my rebellion against you. Forgive me of trying to be my own God. Forgive me of trying to direct my own destiny, Lord, and forgetting about your purpose for my life. Wash me clean of all of that, God, and be my Lord and be my Savior today. And God, I pray for every person here, every believer that has forgotten who they are. They forgot that they were seated in heavenly places with you. They forgot that you are in authority, that you are in control, that you have all power. And they've been really living a life of worry and anxiety because they, they, they're just not sure about the outcome. God, I pray that you would just encourage them to sit down and to remember that this battle has already been fought and this war has already been won and you did it all. And we thank you for that today. And I pray for everybody right now that is facing the enemy. The enemy is coming against them Maybe because they're doing something great in your kingdom and the enemy doesn't like that. Whatever the reason is, Lord, I just pray that you would help every one of us to be completely covered in you. We declare today that you are our truth. That you are our righteousness. That you are our peace. That you are our salvation. That the weapon that we have is the word of the Lord. We thank you for that, God. And I pray that you would just fill every single one of us here with the power of your spirit and help us to again remember the authority and the power that we walk in 
as children of God. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. And amen. Amen. I want to give you just a a few ways to respond today. One is, in the back of your chair, you've got that QR code. That's our connection card. Just scan that. And you can, you can communicate with us any way you want. Just share what God's doing in your life. If you want to tell us, if you made the decision, I'm putting my faith in Jesus today, tell us through that. If you're interested in getting baptized, you're just like, man, I want to be fully clothed with Jesus Christ, then, then tell us through that, and we'll celebrate with you. But you can communicate anything through that. You can share a prayer request or a testimony of what God's doing in your life. Another way you can respond today, one of the best things you can do is to, is to be a part of the family of God. Don't try, don't try doing this on your own. You weren't meant to do this alone. So get connected to a church family. And if you want to get connected to One Family Church, next Sunday night, 5 o'clock at the Shaw campus, for all of our campuses, we'll be meeting there at Shaw for dinner and to go through our Next Steps class. You're going to get to meet all of the staff, get to hang out with Pastor Brent, and just hear how you can get connected. I encourage you to do that. Sign up today online. You can do that through that QR code. And then also, if you're part of One Family Church, you can respond by giving today tithes and offerings. We actually have one of our missions partners uh, out in the lobby today here at the Tivoli campus, the Carver Project. Encourage you to just check that out. Pastor Brent uh, really believes, we all believe in the, in the purpose and the mission of the Carver Project. And they've got some, I think Shelly's out there today, and she can give you some information about what they're doing in our community. But if you want to give today in your tithes and offerings, you can do that through the website. You can do that uh, probably through the QR code, text message. You can, there's so many different ways. Uh, and also, I'll just, I'll just mention this too. If you filled that card out, if you've taken the Beyond, uh, the Beyond card and you filled that out today, we've got some team members that are going to be standing at the back at both campuses with baskets, and you can drop those cards off there. One more thing that I want to encourage you to do. If you've never done this, you should take advantage of this opportunity. In the theater to my left, to your right, is the prayer room. And we've got members of our prayer team there. They're ready to pray with you. They're ready just one-on-one. They're gonna, whatever it is that you're bringing to the Lord, they're gonna agree with you in prayer. They're gonna share that with you. And there's also a self-directed communion experience that you can walk through in there as you're leaving just to remember the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus and how it, how it changes everything. I wanna encourage you to take advantage of that. But before we go, we're gonna worship the Lord one more time with the worship team. Could I just invite you guys to stand with us? Let's stand and let's worship together one more time. God bless you guys.